missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Episode 6, Footy Fans Podcast. We're back. Andrew, Santo, and Joe here. Another Sunday evening. Another week and weekend of footy action to get to. Boys, how are we doing tonight? We're doing good. Jam-packed week and weekend. And looking forward to getting into it with all the, all the stuff that happened. A lot of juicy <laughs> juicy games taking place, especially in Champions League. Very juicy. Yeah, yeah. man. Tons, uh, tons to look at from the English standpoint. Um, most exciting game was probably Liverpool-Milan. Yeah. If we want to start there. Yeah, just a throwback to the historic Champions League uh, matchup between the two when Liverpool took it from 3 nothing down. Um, this one had a story of its own, really. But Liverpool coming up with the win in the end. Yeah, it's like back to the glory days, eh? Yeah. Like, I feel like back then, like, footy was just so different. It, I know, like I know just exactly a different, different feeling, different vibe. Like, like I don't know, I don't know if it's just because like the players felt more like legendary, mm-hmm. or like it was, I don't know. I, it felt, it did feel like it was. I don't even know how to say this without kind of being rude to people now. Yeah, but it's like back then, it really did feel like it was more about just the football. Like there wasn't all this hype around like social media and like people's attention like every once in a while i would hear about players doing stuff for the community but really that's all i would hear now it's like and this goes to the right of instagram and facebook and, and all that where it's just like a lot of that is taking the attention as well so but back then it was literally just going out to win a football match mm-hmm. like no one's worried i about feel like the, there the was host. less now there's a lot more media yeah. I feel like, and, you know, just people analyzing specific players. Then it was like, no, like the Milan players playing for their badge and Liverpool playing for their badge. And it just, it was everything kind of left on the field. Yeah. Not to say it's not like that now, but there just felt more, I don't know, raw yeah. or something. I feel like the more, I feel like the passion was more heightened back then too. Mm-hmm. Like, like my dad's told me stories about even like local here in Windsor, how 30, 40 years ago. You had teams like SS Italia and like the Serb teams and Croatian teams. Yeah. And they were packing like 300 people mm-hmm. along the fence lines of like Wago Park yeah, and Wago like Park, Mac yeah. Park and all yeah. this stuff. And I'm like, I've never played in front of more than 100 people before. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. was like maybe Ontario Cup final. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as like the highest you can go for like our age group at that time. And it's like back then, even like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, the players were just such legendary like Hall of Fame. If they had like a football Hall of Fame, like it was just. Like Maldini, Nesta, Gerard, uh, like Dita for Milan, like yeah. just mm-hmm. these crazy players, Shevchenko, like I can go on, right? Yeah. And I get we have like those caliber players now, but I feel like 
those guys back in the day were just looked at so differently mm-hmm. than they are now. Kind of to what you're saying about the whole social media thing. Like now the hype is more like individual real. players, right? Like the, these, yeah. these players back then, they were like unicorns because you didn't know anything mm. about them. You just mm. knew them as football players. Yeah. And so exactly. you had to watch them. It's like because they're only on like at a certain time of the year. Like Champions League games back then were like premier games because the broadcast wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get to see them as much, so it's like, oh my god, Milan Liverpool playing the final. We have to watch this game. Yeah, or you're only gonna see Gerard there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like even like the Italian stuff, like you're only gonna see Shevchenko and and Inzaghi if you if they make a Champions League like quarterfinal or something like that. And it's right. like you have to tune in and watch this game because these guys are so good right now. Yeah, and it's just I think it's just you know the, the widespread viewership now and like the widespread social media now. We have a deeper look into what these players are actually like on a day-to-day basis, and we kind of know all about them already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see them as football players, and but also, like, personalities. Exactly. Back yeah. then, it's just, like, you're just tuned in for, like, the raw, like, diehard soccer. And exactly. It's just, yeah, I miss that passion so much. Like, we still have passion now, obviously, but... It was, it's different. It just can't compare. Mm-hmm. And we were also, like, 15 years old. Yeah. Back then, dude. So, true. we just... And, like, we were in, like, the peak of our play, of, of us playing and everything. So, like, yeah. it just hits different. And... I, it does feel like, I don't know if it's actually true or if it's just a perception thing. I feel like players back then were less likely to leave their teams just for money or for like another signing. Like you would have never seen Paul Scholes leave United. You'd never see Gerard leave, right? You just wouldn't see all these historic players with these clubs leave to go to mm-hmm. somewhere else, right? They were really committed to the club. I don't know if it's a just a perception thing. Um, and it did happen back then. We just didn't see with who we watched, but I just do get the vibe that less of that happened than it does. Yeah, happen. everyone's just one good offer away from leaving. Yeah, you that's know? a good way to put it. Really, you know, everyone's just getting ready to leave, right? Yeah. Like maybe if it was, you know, several years ago, you wouldn't have had big, like who knows if Sterling would have went to Man City if this was all twenty years ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Big player for them makes a massive move to the city, so who knows really? But that's just a perception I get. Yeah, like you did still have like the big transfers, but they were such few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, you have like you know a dozen players now in EPL, like bouncing from teams, like that are mm-hmm. sick players. Or you yeah. know, every league has at least maybe ten guys mm-hmm. that leave almost every single year. Whereas like fifteen years ago, like when Ronaldo left to go to Real Madrid, that was like yeah, the biggest like, signing in like yeah. five years. Yeah. The biggest transfer in like five years. Yeah, exactly. Or the other Ronaldo, like the OG Ronaldo going from like Inter to Real Madrid or in like Real Madrid to Milan. Like that, that was huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beckham going to Real Madrid from United. Those transfers were talked about for like years and years because they were just so big. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, you know, Grealish just left. That would be gone by next week. You know, like that transfer talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like they said, like Sterling going to Man City. That's done and over with now. That's just yeah. in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the actual gameplay, uh, Liverpool-Milan game finished 3-2 in favor of Liverpool at home. They won this game in Anfield. Uh, own goal from Tamori early on in the ninth minute. It was a, uh, a shot from Mo Salah. Innocent-looking play yeah. also. Um, I mean, the shot was going on net. Tamori did all he could Yeah. as a defender. That's what you're taught to do, just block a play. Yeah. Or block just the unlucky. shot. Mm-hmm. Unlucky. Uh, and for the most part, Liverpool was kind of dominant almost all game, I would say. Yeah. Like in the first half. Yeah, they were just uh, they're the two spells Milan had when they got their two goals, I think, where it was just really well worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it did just seem like Liverpool were really solid. 
um, with their gameplay and uh, just came out with the win, with the win in the end. Yeah. Just got to go back to Henderson's ear, though. Was, oh, yeah. That was something else. Yeah, the home fans got kind of <laughs> stunned uh, late in the first half with Milan picking up those two goals going to halftime, but whatever Klopp said to his boys really mm-hmm. really rattled the troops because Mo Salah came out uh, three minutes later after halftime, tied the game up, and then the Ali Santo said here, Jordan Henderson scoring in the 69th minute to uh, ensure the win here for the uh, Liverpool faithful. Yeah, well, faithful. Faithful to Liverpool, maybe not to Henderson. <laughs> and it's one of the things I was thinking about where, you know, you have your fans just giving you stick. You're playing for the club, for them, and they're just like, on you right and like kind of goes back to the thing where you know they're on the sidelines you're on the field and you're like you're giving your own player a hard time while he's playing in the game so henderson scores gives him the ear and that was it yeah i guess he like goal again from henderson yeah that was like on the half volley yeah Yeah, half volley like very tough skill like yeah oh what a rip though eh? yeah look at that look at this (laughs) you know what you're talking about now <laughs> yeah, that's wow. a hard. That's a hard selly for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he wanted that one. Yeah, I love that. I love the passion that's still involved in all the players. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. now every, now everyone's ha- now are, everyone's happy with Henderson. That's happy. the thing. Like, you're he's your captain Ooh. too. Captain on the field. Like, you got to support your team through the through the good and the bad, right? Like, why was he getting stink though? What was it? I don't know. They're just giving him a hard time, like making a couple wayward passes mm. and just you know making some mistakes. So I get the moans and groans from the crowd. I'm sure you got some people just yelling at him. He just comes up with a half volley. Yeah, what a strike. Eh? What a way to win it. Yeah. Um, I was surprised yeah, it was that close, to be honest. That match? I, I did not think Milan would get two goals against Liverpool at Anfield, especially with Van Dyke perfectly healthy. He was shook. Yeah. Well, they, they're completely snatched out of nothing, right? Yeah. Like, they literally, there was no signs. That there wasn't, like, much buildup. No, to they it. just, just kind of picked them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's what Milan can do this year. Like they're playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like we talked, we touched about it last episode how they've kind of made some changes within the organization the last couple of seasons because they were like they were not doing good. Like they were maybe just getting Europa League. They, this is their first year in Champions League in almost five years, I think five six seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've really you know kind of had to reinvest in the team and reinvest in the youth because of the whole financial crisis going on with Milan as well. So they couldn't just go out there and spend. You know, fifty mil, sixty mil, to yeah. grab a player. Mm. Um, like they signed Tomori last year from Chelsea. I think it was twenty-eight million was like the the transfer fee. Yeah, and that's like one of their bigger signings in the last you know couple of years. Yeah, uh, like they couldn't even afford to keep Donnarumma. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. You can see how tight it is in, in Milan right now if they can't afford to keep you know arguably the best keeper in the world. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> the best goalie in the world and has the most potential. <laughs> yeah, improve. really. It's still only like twenty-two years old or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was Liverpool Milan. Uh, the return leg was probably in a few months. We'll see how it shakes up in that group yeah. as, uh, as the games go on. Uh, the next one to, to talk about would probably be United and Young Boys with yeah. United blowing that late goal. Uh, Lingardino strikes again. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. Yeah. Uh, in a different sense, but he strikes again by, uh, you know, sending a wayward pass back to De Gea and gets intercepted and... You know, the ball gets tucked in the back of the net for a 2-1 victory for his young boys. Again, a completely uh, different result that we thought was going to happen in this match. I think we all called like at least three English teams winning mm-hmm. um, this week, which actually 
did come true, but it'd be in a different sense, you know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously really surprised by the scoreline. Lingard, you know, he has been really good, I think, since coming back to Man U. I think being at West Ham really gave him the chance to play more games, and I think he's just improved a lot, but, you know, it's not the first time I've seen Man U kind of blow it early in the Champions League rounds. I'm sure they'll be fine in the group, but just not the way, obviously, they wanted to start with mm-hmm. their Champions League campaign. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't come down to, like, a mistake that costs you the games. Your man, you yeah. playing young boys, you should be you should be a few goals ahead where if something like that happens, it won't affect the actual result. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of on them. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna lose to young boys, like they have to earn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no point. Yeah, no, don't give it to them. Yeah, but um, needless to say, Ronaldo just being Ronaldo again in the game, scoring, uh, keeping up his record for scoring in every game since he's been back, uh, and just another pretty good goal, just showing his striker uh, instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, getting in behind the D. Uh, putting goal words and just going after the ball like he's anticipating uh, a rebound from the goalie, and that's why he scored. Yeah, he played the game today. Uh, there was a few times like he obviously did score again today. Um, but even just watching some replays of shots on net, I think it was Luke Shaw had a shot from like twenty yards out, and he was the only player that rushed in after the keeper. Mm-hmm. And like he did it like from almost ten yards away. He was almost at the penalty spot area, and like he still rushed in. And so that's like a young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. player's mentality right like you want to get in and like be chippy and like score some scrappy goals he's like 36 years old and he's still mm-hmm. thinking that way yeah to try and get in and score whenever he can because he knows you know the, my, my the goal might bobble the ball and mm-hmm. uh rebound might present itself and he can score yeah um quickly on this match did you guys notice the the field that they play on i did not what about it's, arti- it's artificial turf did not oh. even notice it's kind of no. weird I think. Oh, yeah. yeah I wouldn't. If I'm, pro, if I'm a pro, I, I don't know. I would how expect I would grass. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't yeah. know if it's because, I mean, I'm completely speculating, but they're playing in Switzerland. Mm. Maybe it's just like in the colder months, it might, maybe the grass could freeze over or something. Mm, maybe. And that's why they use the turf, or maybe it could be for like a weather condition. Could I have be. no idea. Mm. But I remember seeing, I think it was Young Boys and Juventus play a couple years ago in Champions League. And I noticed it for the first time, and I was like, is that turf? Mm hmm. And it's like, if you're a professional, like if you're like Ronaldo, you're going to go play a Champions League game, you'd be like, what the hell is like, this? Am Why am I on? playing on this like fake yeah. ass grass? I mean, I do wonder, uh, you know, what kind of turf it was. Obviously, we're used to the turf we have here, which is it's like plastic, like the ball runs there. You yeah. know, watching, watching that, it didn't look like it looked clean it looked nice yeah and it didn't look like the ball was getting away from people it looked like the ball was like naturally like slowing down one it was getting touched whereas you know obviously you go play at the u field you send a through ball Mm -hmm. you have to go and chase the ball because it's not going to slow down well the majority of the fields here that are turf i think are like usually football first right like american football first and then it's like oh we'll throw a soccer lines on here too and play soccer on this field as well yeah so it's not designed for that clearly this is like an actual artificially soccer designed field right so maybe it's more cushion maybe underneath the turf there's like more bounce to the ball or something or more bounce to the to the ground or yeah i don't know because like they're making slide tackles on here and they seem fine yeah Mm. like they seem like they're sliding on like almost like natural grass so maybe just the turf is, is made differently over there Little fun fact, the city of Manchester has two teams. 
They do. One is United and, and one, one is City. One is City. <laughs> <laughs> City was also involved in Champions League uh, <laughs> this week with a thrilling match against Leipzig, finishing 6-3 in favor of the Citizens. Yeah. Um, Very exciting game. It was, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I saw the highlights after, which obviously don't dictate how the whole match goes, but I think City... From an offensive standpoint, they obviously pumped them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think regardless of the scoreline, because I don't think they... I don't, it's not like they allowed three goals and they had to come back and score six. Yeah. I think they would have put in at least four or five against this Leipzig team, regardless of what Leipzig did in their end to score. Right. But I think also... City looked kind of weak at the back. Yeah. I think it's... And I think... This is why Pep's not going to be too happy because it was, oh, we scored two goals. Now they're just going to roll over and let us steam through them. But they just weren't doing it. And so that's why Pep's going to be a little upset. He's going to, you know, hopefully tell them, you know, we can't. And I think they all know this. They're obviously professionals. But, you know, you can't just pump in goals and then you think that get gives you permission to just chill, you know. Yeah. Because then it's just the other team, whoever it is, just going to come back and, like, you know, take advantage. Which they did, so that's why they had to go back and keep scoring. Yeah. Uh, so they have to, you know, whoever it is. I know Ake, you know, he's new to the club, and like Zinchenko is still young. Uh, you know, but they have to, you know, have that mentality to be switched on like all the time. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, I mean, City did obviously look really good going forward, but I did. There were situations there where uh, Pep was like really giving it to. Um, his team, you know, making mm-hmm. sure they're still doing their defensive responsibilities. Um, on a side note in that, I mean, Ake did get his first Champions League goal. Um, kind of a sad story, though, because uh, I guess his dad passed away a few minutes after he scored. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah crazy. Yeah, so I guess his dad is, like, just really sick. Um, so his brother and his mom was with him, and they were watching the game, and he scored. And I guess, you know, after the game, obviously he found out that he passed away, and it was, like, minutes after he scored his first goal for Champions League. So, um, obviously, thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, but, I mean, obviously really good for him. You know, mid-20s, getting his first Champions League goal on his big move to City. Uh, so showing some some character there, especially obviously playing through a uh, difficult situation and how he's continuing to play because he started against Southampton as well. Uh, but really good to see um, him step it up there and also good to see Jack Grealish get a real goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah, yeah it was nice. that was a big one. Um, just looking at like the goals that were scored in this match, like, they bounced back and forth. It wasn't like City was up like 4-1 or something. No. Mm-hmm. And then Leipzig scored some garbage time goals. Mm-hmm. Like it was 2-1 and then 3-1 and then 3-2. Yeah. And then like 4-2 and then it kind of just got pumped on after that. Yeah, like Leipzig... Like they went back and like forth. Somewhat in the game. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there was always a threat where it's like, hey, yeah. you know, they could they could cause some problems if they get another one. And then thankfully City was able to just hold out the lead. But like yeah. even the goals that were scored, they like they had decent build up to them. Like, um, they weren't just kind of out of nothing. I want to say, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Leipzig, it's not like they just had a couple like fast break chances and scored these goals. Um, you know they were crossing the box. They were you know pressing on City to try and score. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Good uh, PK by Mars. Yeah, Mars was a PK home. Very good PK. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they were just they were just attacking, right? They were always giving themselves a chance to uh, to score, right? Like they they would get scored on, but they were still they're still being optimistic, and I think that's why uh, they were so exposed in the back. Um, but yeah, and then this that was a sweet. It was poor defending, like just yeah, not even bad. that guy takes like not <laughs> forever. Yeah, we're checking the Grealish mm-hmm. uh, highlight of his goal here. Yeah, very well worked. Yes, that's that's the kind of goal he wants to score as his first goal. That's just yeah. vintage Grealish now. That's kind of what we expect yeah. of him. That was well worked. Like you know, maybe Zinchenko and that could be sharper there, but it was just like very quick passive play here. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. that was just well. Yeah, very so like a team like Leipzig, like you kind of, like, I think they snuck into the Champions League last year. Well, sorry, this season, like yeah. the way that they finished. So, like they obviously were put into a pretty tough group to have yeah. City in their in their mm-hmm. group there. But I mean, like a team like that, they have nothing to lose, right? When it comes to these games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so go all like out. obviously giving up six, you never want to do that because clearly, clearly, um, goal differential does count later on into the group stage and like it could be the deciding factor yeah as far as who progresses and who doesn't so you're yeah, giving up six and going down <laughs> minus three and your goal differential obviously is not very good from your first game yeah but to show the rest of the group that they can score yeah mm-hmm. is pretty huge for them yeah if they can just lock it down in the back because some of the goals that were given away like you know the last goal to, to jesus to gabo jesus was kind of like not really well earned yeah it was mm-hmm. kind of right time right right place um, obviously the PK that Mars converted. You take those two goals away that don't and the own goal and the own goal. Yeah, like, I mean this could mm, be a draw. Yeah, like it, it. It's good to watch because we love competitive football. Like we want to have it as tight as games as we can sometimes. Right. And like goals, goals are fun. Goals are exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you actually sit down and watch the game, like you can see a disconnect between like the the stat line and like the actual gameplay, but. Yeah, watching Leipzig play, they I mean they're exciting. They seem like to be like a young team. I didn't didn't know much about them until I watched the highlights of this game and some of the recap. But I don't know, man. Champions, I love Champions League. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always always makes for exciting exciting times. You know, you have teams playing against other teams that they don't normally play against. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. posts and they were like, you know, who needs especially with these results, like who needs a Super League? Yeah, you know. <laughs> We're getting what we need in Champions League. That's that would I don't know where other people stand on it, um, but that would just not be good. No, I don't. I don't think, think it so would either. not be would not be healthy. I was pretty happy when the Super League talk I put to bed mm-hmm. early last or late last season because mm-hmm. um, I don't think it would have helped the game at any in any standpoint. No, not at all. Like Champions, the Champions League's perfect. Like any team could get in there, but you have to like earn your right. Mm-hmm. Having a privileged league of all the top clubs <laughs> one of which being arsenal like why do they deserve any more right than west ham potentially next year who's like crushing it to try and make it to this kind of stage yeah. you know it only took 22 minutes for our first arsenal diss of the, of the pod well but you know no but no but you know because like arsenal arsenal was invited just because of the status of their club but right. like money talks why but just because they're like an historic club who has a lot of money like that doesn't give them more right to play yeah. against top teams than potentially a West Ham or even like Leicester who's been like just building up mm-hmm. to qualify for Champions League to get the right to play against these big clubs on, on this massive stage and like I feel like the competitive the competitiveness wouldn't be there yeah, yeah. like yeah it's exciting for us like for a neutral fan it's fun to watch PSG play Real Madrid or something yeah. or whatever the case is but like 
I feel like the history of like what the English Premier League brings is like half of the excitement value, like watching a game and like yeah. the fans that like believe and like this is what the team is here for. This is what yeah. we crave. Is whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have all the derbies too, right? Yeah, and I just feel like I feel like the players wouldn't get psyched up for it. Yeah, if there was a Super League, mm-hmm. it'd just be like a big money class. Like, right. yeah, and it's like, why are you gonna go balls out against like in like this game? And it, it just, I don't know. I just don't feel yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is really happy it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so no to the Super League. No to Super League. You're hearing it now from that us, official yeah. footy fan. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the pod, I, the pod and you know was not maybe a thing last time so we couldn't make our statement. And I know what. Uh, I think it's the owner of Real Madrid or whoever it was saying like, no, the game has to evolve to survive. And I'm like, you know, the game is getting pretty big, especially in North America. And it's like, I don't think evolving involves making a private league of virtual clubs. No, <laughs> I don't 100%. think that's the answer. There's 100%. other ways to evolve. Then it'll evolve as that pocketbook. Maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, I know we have one game left to talk about for champs league, but just, quickly based on basically what we talked about with Leipzig and how they're a lower side and we get to watch them play and same with young boys. It's almost kind of like the European Cup or like the World Cup. How we mm. get those tournaments every two and four years and it's like some young kid just emerges mm-hmm. from like I don't even know, Ghana or something or from Switzerland or teams that we don't see very often or yeah. Yeah. Slovakia like a team like that. It's like, like, Hernan- like that who, from uh, Colombia? Uh, Rodriguez, yeah. Thomas Rodriguez, yeah, in twenty twelve, yeah, twenty sixteen, whatever it was, yeah. um, yeah, something like that. It's like you just you get your your shining moment on the big stage, and you can like just promote yourself. It's self promotion, yeah. Like clearly, you want to do what's best for your team and your country, and like you, I don't think anybody would just like sell out their country just to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you get to watch these players like get an opportunity to have everyone take a look at them. Have scouts take a look at them. Have agents take a look at them. Managers, yeah. And it's like, and obviously, like again, like living in the social media age, yeah. How fast would like did Twitter blow up when Hamas Rodriguez was playing for Colombia? Yeah. And he brought them all the way to the quarterfinal. I think it was of champ mm-hmm. or uh, the yeah. World Cup. He kind of put the team on his back, basically. Yeah. Um, and even like some of the Icelandic players when Iceland was making making it big. Yeah. These guys are playing like domestic Iceland or like in Sweden or Norway or something. <laughs> Some of them were like directors and like dentists. Yeah. yeah. And then like, you know, a couple of guys get, get gigs in England and you get a, yeah. a guy that signs in Spain or signs in Italy or something. Yeah. Um, no, I just love to see that. And like, again, mm-hmm. like, yeah, who never knows this Christopher and Cuckoo guy from, from Leipzig puts up a hatchery against City. Yeah. Like three stellar goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? This next. kid could be on Bayern in two years, or Bayern and be on Dortmund in two years, or be on mm-hmm. you know Barcelona if they can afford him in two years. Yeah, yeah. Never know what can happen, right? When you just put yourself in those good situations. No, I love it, and it's it's kind of similar to uh, the last World or Euro Cup with Italy, Chiesa, right? Like, how much did uh, Instagram blow up with just Chiesa, yeah Chiesa memes and Chiesa posts, right? Um, so you just see all these young guys just getting to play on a big stage and showing what they got. Uh, last game, my Chelsea boys leaving it late against Zenit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a, board, a back and forth match. Not much uh, to talk about here, really. Um, Zenit, you know they they held pretty tough. They they're not new to Champions League. No, they're always kind of you know they out, right? yeah. I think I think in Russia, I think top two clubs might make it. Yeah, in Russia, I'm not totally sure. I think it might be top two. So uh, Zenit being a 
a big name stay in, in the Russian league usually make it so they're not accustomed to so they are accustomed to playing Champions League matches. Um completely different style of play as well. Yeah. Like when you have to go up against like you know, a Chelsea yeah. instead of some other Russian side. But um they held pretty tough until Lukaku uh Lukaku. broke the broke the deadlock late in the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if it wasn't for Ronaldo, Lukaku would be getting so much attention right now. But yeah. I mean, yeah. he is obviously still getting a lot of attention. But yeah. um, you know, you have Ronaldo and Lukaku just making these moves this year, and they're just performing well, for their team. Yeah, I mean, them like I said before, already being in the EPL before. Mm. You know, yeah, it's a lot. It's not. It's still a tough league, but it's a lot less less intimidating when you've already been there. You kind of know what to expect. You know how to adjust yourself. Whereas, like you know, Werner's been struggling because he's not accustomed to it. So it takes him getting used to. But when to get over the hump of like, you know, getting used to the defending there and how fast paced the game is. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you got nothing to prove, right? Like, yeah. obviously Lukaku's been successful there before. Ronaldo, yeah, obviously been successful there before. Yeah. So. Um, they proved they can handle the English game. It's just they uh, mm-hmm. just got to perform on their uh, campaigns back. And obviously, they've been doing that so far. So hopefully, they can continue that. Uh, so that wraps up Champs League um, discussion. The other two clubs are involved. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> can, we just, no. can we just talk about the six red cards? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Red cards? Over, over the two two days of Champions League, there were six red cards. Yeah, and then the one game, oh too. Uh, what was the one game that had four four PKs in the first half? You guys see that one, too? Uh, no, who's that? Oh, man. It, uh, boy, now you're putting me on the spot. We'll anyway, go, just, we'll I'll, check I'll that find out. it. I'll so find it. But in I was Champions say, League, there was four PKs in the first half? Yeah. In one game? Yeah. You guys didn't see that? No. No. I, I didn't. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. Well, I'll find it after. I'll do my research and maybe we'll talk about it uh, at the end of the show. Crazy. Um, but I was just going to say, Leicester and uh, West Ham in Europa League. We'll just touch on it real quick. West Ham beats Dinamo Zagreb 2-0, and Leicester puts up a 2-2 draw against Napoli with picking up a red card. So, with picking up a red card in Europa League as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So another, uh, tons of Europa League red cards too. There's three right here that I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good. that's a good result. I mean, West Ham, I think, maybe expected to win this game against Zagreb. I mean, they're yeah. the Croatian champions, so they're obviously a class side. Yep. But, I mean, West Ham is just playing really, really well this season. Yeah. And um, and Leicester to... Uh, where is this game played at? King Power. Where do you see that? It's at the bottom right there. Yeah. King Power. Team on the left is always the home team. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so Leicester, uh, they're playing at home against Napoli, but to pick up a red card, actually it's late in the game anyway, so it doesn't really matter on the final result, but uh, Napoli, they're pretty class too. Yeah. Like, they just missed out on Champions League last year, I think by mm-hmm. one point. Um, so they're not going to slow chat. No. So there's no. that's the English contingent um, for the European Cups for the, the past week. Moving on to... EPL. Yeah, here we go. Packed weekend in the EPL. Oh, hell yeah. Lots to talk about. Um, Obviously, some huge games going on this week. This yep. weekend, capped off with the London Derby between Chelsea and Spurs. Uh, Quickly, though, did you guys uh, catch this game? Brentford and Wolves? Uh, didn't catch the whole game. Know what happens. Um, More to talk about with VAR on this. Yeah, so I just made a note about this game. Uh, Brentford winning 2-0. But actually, this is my first time watching Brentford play all season. Yeah. And I know they got that surprise result against Arsenal uh, week one. But then after watching this game, I don't think that result was actually much of a surprise. 
Yeah. I mean, they played pretty good, man. I yeah. mean, I, what I said week one, um, most of the time, the teams that get promoted end up... Now it's not even a surprise. I don't know why people are so surprised, but they come up and they just crush it. These newly yeah. promoted teams have like no fear anymore. Well, you got Norwich City at the bottom table. But weren't they in the EPL last year? Uh, no, I think they just came back in this year. Yeah. But I mean, there's always... I mean, <laughs> they not went, every they went, single they team. Up, they were up, they went down, then came back up. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, there's always there's always that one team that gets promoted, yeah. You know, and they just who was it last year? Uh, Brighton? No, they had the red crest with the two swords. Sheffield? Sheffield. When they got promoted, they were crushing it too. There's always that one team that gets promoted and yeah. just goes against the big six or whoever it might be, and just like, oh no, you know, we're gonna give you a little little battle here. Yeah. No, they are sweet. They have those two guys up front that really gel well together. Yeah, no, they played really good. And I just want to touch on this game because it was, it was another VAR situation that kind of it kind of bugs me because VAR is there to get the play right. Yeah. Correct? That's To get whatever was called on the field, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Handballs on the field, offside on the field, red card on the field, penalty spot on the field, penalty shot. I mean, that's what VAR is for. Yeah. It bothers me when a goal gets disallowed because on the field it was deemed to be offside. Yep. They do the VAR check. This is for Brentford, by the way. Brentford scored a goal. It's deemed offside. They do the check. The player's clearly onside. Mm-hmm. Like, it could not be more onside. But during the VAR check, they found that the ball actually struck his arm. He pots the ball in the back of the net, has a nice little celebration. Goal gets disallowed because of VAR on a handball call. Yeah. The VAR check wasn't there for handball. Yeah. I, I mean, mean but in real in reality, if it was like a very obvious handball, they would they would have caught it and asked but the it, ref to But take in it. the situation it wasn't, according to what you guys are saying. I know. And that's the other rule. thing. Yeah, <laughs> Where that new handball that. rule anyway is like crazy. This handball rule honestly has got I I can't it got worse over the last three years. It, it's it, more honestly, confusing. So for I, the listeners, just kind of briefly yeah, summarize so, what it was. So right now how the rule is supposed to go, I mean, whether it actually gets fall, because I see things contradict all the time, but how it's actually supposed to go. When you're defending, if your hands in an, or, your, or your arm is in a natural position and the ball hits your hand, you're fine. So they, the whole reasoning behind that is they didn't want defenders going in and defending with their hands behind their back. So they wanted defenders to go in, and keep your arms at your side, and if the ball hits your hand, you're still okay. So your arm just has to be in a natural position. You know, kind of back to the to the Man U game where you have a situation with Luke Shaw. He's lunging in to block a cross. I do get the sense where his arm's outstretched, but when you're reaching with your leg, it's natural for your arm to be outstretched. So the ball hits his hand, gets PK. I can understand that, but I do, I'm fine with the defensive end where if your arm's in a natural position, ball hits your hand, you're still okay. Going forward is where I have the biggest problem with the handball rule, and I still don't understand why they haven't changed it. Where if you're attacking, if it hits any part of your hand, your arms could be behind your back and the ball could hit your shoulder. If you score directly off that play, it's still a handball, which I have a lot of big issues with. Because, for example, last season with uh, Wilson going in, he's on a breakaway, goes to take a shot deflects off the goalie and Wilson's literally a foot away from the play. So he goes and takes a shot, jumps as he's taking the shot to avoid running into the goalie. 
the ball pops up and Callum Wilson like puts his entire body like together, puts his hands like inward. So his hands are literally in front of him and he like leans to the side to avoid it hitting his hand and it hits his shoulder and it drops to him and he goes and taps it into an open net and it got called back for a handball. And it's like, if you're a strike, like what are you supposed to do? Like nowadays, <laughs> what you have to go and attack with your hands behind your back. So I don't know why it's not done for people going forward because your hand has to be in a natural position when you attack. It goes back to City mm-hmm. uh, in Champions League when Laporte went up for a header. And obviously, when you jump up for a header, your hands go to your side. So it grazed off a defender. It hit like the bottom of his arm. Jesus put it in and it got disallowed because it grazed his arm. So, yeah, going forward, if it hits any part of your arm and you score off it, it gets called back, which I, I think they honestly need to change. How do you feel about the discrepancy of like a goal scoring opportunity or a penalty, like in the penalty area? Mm-hmm. Whether you're defending or attacking, as opposed to like in the middle of the field, do you think the call should be made the same on either end? Like, do you think you know? What I'm saying like the situation you're talking about. You go for a header, the ball gets off, deflected off your head, goes off your arm. It goes to VAR if it's like in a penalty yeah. spot mm-hmm. area. But if that happens at midfield, it either gets like looked off or doesn't get even looked yeah. at for yeah. handball. Well, because I think because it's not affecting a goal scoring opportunity. No, which but is why I mean, they don't have to look but it's at like, it. but look, but the the thing is, it's like. That call that is being avoided being made in the middle of the field is the exact same thing that's happening in the box. I most, so how do you not those handballs would it? not be called handballs in the middle of the field, which no. is what's frustrating. That's, but that's what's frustrating. <laughs> they're not, which is frustrating. frustrating. They're not then handballs. It, like, why do you have to complicate this matter? Like, I know. What's it's like, oh, if they the score ball. off this with the handball, it's like that would not be a handball in the middle of the field, and it would not be a PK. Why is it a handball if they score off? <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. And yeah, you're not going to give a PK and, to a defender for that, right? And that's like going back to when I made my first like outrage about VAR is like there's just no consistency in the calls, and that's all we want as fans. We, yeah. we, I want to be able to look at a play that happens at midfield, or that happens when my team's attacking, or what happens when my team's defending the box. Yeah. And know exactly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's not really a VAR issue. It's like this new handball rule issue. Well, it's all being made because it's, now it's, it's got... giving it's giving the referee on the field and the referee behind the scenes the power to change the entire game. It's giving, yeah. them, it's giving them power to change the rules based on what they want to do that day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had some nice eggs this morning. Okay, I'm making this rule. <laughs> like it's literally <laughs> just go. like whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. yeah. And that's what bugs me because then it just completely takes away like the actual integrity of the game. Because now you're just leading up to like a referee who's like sitting behind a computer screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah back to your point, like drives me nuts. <laughs> it, it'd be really nice to know anytime you see something, you know what the call is going to be. I mean, they yeah. have rules there, but it goes back to the City Liverpool game two seasons ago that we touched, on which before. was crazy, the craziest thing I've still ever like, seen in my liter- life. That involved, I think every single possible VAR situation because and they got like all of them wrong and yeah literally every single one was wrong <laughs> it was like first it was definitely a PK and VAR looked at it they're like oh no it's not a PK and then they went and scored off it and I don't I'm pretty sure the phase of play didn't change and it was a handball that led to a goal scoring opportunity they scored and that didn't get called back so like very confusing it's like you know you have VAR specifically for those situations so teams don't get screwed over and it's just causing more confusion because it's missing <laughs> those those big gaps in the game. And that's why I make the argument: Are we better off with or without VAR? I we're better off, but it's a lot more frustrating because it's like most people watching it are like, "What 
why are they not overturning it? It's getting, it's fixing a lot of decisions, but it's amplifying the fact that they're getting such obvious things wrong, which is, I think, what's frustrating. So it's like building it up more, even though they are fixing a lot of things. It's just, there's some stuff. It's like, who's yeah. looking at VAR right now? Like, <laughs> like yeah. what are they looking at right now? I mean, I, I am a big VAR fan. I think it's fixed a lot of things. I just wish they would fix the the attacking handball rule. Like, I feel like that needs to be fixed. I wonder if some referees are going to get, like, audited based on VAR overturns and stuff like that. <laughs> like, how or many times? Like, how many times do they miss something? Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Cause like that, like that would be a good idea. I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on the referees, but like the referees, the referees are never held accountable for anything, too, which kind of drives me nuts. Like Mike Dean is like the biggest prick in the world. I think <laughs> I can't say Mike Dean. Yeah, but like there's been so many times where he misses a VAR call or it goes to or the video referee and like he overturns the decision, and it's like you can only screw up so many times before like someone's got to look at you and say, okay, you don't get these big matches anymore. Yeah. Like you're not getting Liverpool Chelsea. <laughs> Cause like, I don't want you to fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't know. I mean, I think obviously I think in the past, um, they were probably, they, they would review the, the game film and see all the mistakes they missed. It's just interesting now how we get to see. Yeah. When all the, all the big calls are missed. Um, but it is, it is nice where, you know, you have situations where you know it's like okay, like we know VAR is going to overturn this. You know, it's clearly offside. Uh, so the, those situations are good. Yeah, the ones that are cut and dry. Yeah, like sure, you just, they spend thirty seconds on it. Yeah, but it's the ones that are like five minute VAR review, and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm telling you, they all come back to the handball. <laughs> it's always a handball situation that's causing all the confusion. A lot of yeah. time. Yeah, it I mean, always the is. offside one too kind of pisses me off, but well. You know, it goes back to the 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 city Southampton game. That was kind of a key situation for me, where VAR was really good. Oh um, yeah, let's let's go into that game right now. Actually. Yeah. So frustrating, uh, frustrating game for City. You know, zero zero against Southampton just could not find a way through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people might argue they had a Champions League game midweek. But on the other hand, they had tons of players playing that weren't in the Champions League game, so they really don't have an excuse. Um, bring on Kevin De Bruyne and still can't make anything happen. So they finished with a with a tie. But yeah, the Walker foul. So you know the the Southampton's going in on goal. Walker comes in, sticks the tackle, uh, and gets called on a PK and a red card, which I thought was like that's a little real. egregious. That was that, yeah. was that was really harsh, yeah. but like. You could argue he was in on goal and Walker just yeah. came came in, but um, it it looked it didn't look like bad, but it looked kind of like a foul. But then you go out to review it in VAR and you see Walker's going in before he makes contact. The Southampton guy's already on his way down, kind of mm-hmm. like he's expecting contact from Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Walker didn't really foul him. It's kind of like he went in for the tackle. Southampton guy already is already going down and. Walker just kind of runs into him because he's on his way down. So it's almost like it's almost like the foul was the other way. It, yeah, that's the whole thing, right? The guys, imagine if, if you're running full speed and all of a sudden I slow down, and I start falling. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna hit me, right? Yeah. Um, so it got overturned, red card overturned, and and that's what I kind of liked. Where you know, if I was especially if Italy was playing, can you imagine if Italy's playing the Euro Cup? Oh, I'd lose and, my mind. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, at first I was like, how would that get overturned? And then looking at it again, I'm like, you know, if that was in the middle of the field 
and the ref saw what happened, he would have said, oh, he was looking for it, and he went into Walker. Ben, like, but, like, Walker's foot was, like, over the ball, and he was, like, c- kind of, like, near the ball, so it wasn't really a foul, even though he made contact. Right. Because so, I've seen those in the field where someone does go over easily and, like, runs it to the person. Uh, so I can understand why it was overturned. Uh, I think the commentators were making a, a note about it, just saying how Walker's body position, he kind of did, like, shield. He, it's yeah. almost like he tried to shield the ball by stepping in front yeah. of yeah. the Southampton player. I keep forgetting the guy's name. I keep calling him Southampton player. But he cut it in front of him. And then the follow through of the of the Southampton guy, the attacker, just kind of went through Walker. Yeah, yeah. But it's like he did make that, like if 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 he didn't go to ground, and Walker leaned in front of him, and then the Southampton guy went down, then maybe that could have been a PK. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that Southampton, like again, Southampton guy, went through Walker, and yeah. like I think that kind of changed uh, yeah. the opinion well, of the referees. You even saw how how Walker went over, like because he he. He had control, obviously, of his body, and his and his foot was really over the ball. But he, when he collided with the Southampton guy, he went like over his back. So yeah. the Southampton guy hit him at his like waist level. So it's like, how is the Southampton guy already that far down without having any contact on Walker? Yeah. In in real time, in the referee's defense, I know we we're just trying to trip referees, but in his events, I don't know if his positioning on the field was. Like with the clear view of it, but yeah. obviously he made the call, so he must have seen what happened. But you know, like your body can like shield part mm-hmm. of the ball and where yeah. the play's at, and you don't see every single aspect of the foul. Yeah. Um. But in real time, like that quick, like it's he like, he fired it. He fired at PK red card right away. Like he was yeah. already grabbing for the card by the time he got over there to dish out the, the penalty. Yeah. Um. But like you said, that this is a case where VAR does get involved, and yes. I don't think it was a PK. I think it's unanimous around yeah. the table. Um, that would have turned the game on its head. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <red> card. <laughs> like, um, that would have been huge. Yeah, with ten minutes left to go in the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was. This is another game too where it's obviously nil nil, but the chances weren't um, abysmal from either side. No. Like there was quality chances in this game. Yeah, and both keepers kind of stood on their heads. Um. One thing I noticed is that in the first half there, every attack, except for I think two that were that turned into a scoring chance, came through the left side with Grealish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um we were talking about how just last uh, last episode with Liverpool they made a lot of attacks through the right hand side, like mm-hmm. through Mo Salah mostly. Yeah. I feel like the ball right now is just getting flooded through Grealish. When De Bruyne's not in the field and he doesn't bring that creativity and that ball position from the middle. Yeah. I think the play just gets stretched out wide and Grealish is now the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they give it to him. Clearly his time at Villa, he was able to like really put that on, on display. But um, I think he's getting heavily involved in all their scoring opportunities and we expected that. Yeah. But I didn't think it was going to happen this quick. I know. No. They're just like, he's like, he's, he's, the guy. he's put on a show right now for this team. Yeah. He's he's really just you know integrating himself well, um, but I think they they weren't getting him in good enough positions uh, during this game, and they would get in the final third, and literally like, just nothing would happen. Mm-hmm. They they a had lot of it was like through a cross, like just like a mm-hmm. like a cro- like a through ball cross almost through the middle. Yeah, like a direct kind of angled angled cross. Yeah, that kind of fell to nothing. Yeah, and like credit to Southampton for. For keeping it locked down, but City had one chance on net all game. Mm-hmm. You have you have that quality on the field, and you got one chance. Like they need a striker. 
but yeah. yeah so maybe it's they're feeling that number nine missing but i mean they did have a chance to win um i mean you you could blame sterling because foden foden had the header um goalie left a rebound foden went in to go get it and if foden would have scored it would have counted yeah sterling instead comes in he was you know his foot was offside so it got called back you can say like oh why did sterling get the rebound when you're in a yeah. live game you know it's really hard to be like oh it's a rebound but it might be offside so i'm not gonna go with it mm-hmm. no maybe, that's not going through your mind to be fair maybe you know you see foden going in there no one else is around you could have mm-hmm. let him have it maybe i i think now it might be kind of a, a trigger point where um players might start doing it more just in case they're offside because you know there's no way uh yeah Foden's gonna be offside in that play uh so it might start happening more, which actually is going to be interesting to see. Well, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. What if Foden headed it, but his foot wasn't in line with the ball? He's touching the ball. I'm pretty sure it's fine. <laughs> pretty sure it's <laughs> Who fine. Know? I don't even imagine. know the rules anymore. I know. No, he's, a, he's, he's, <laughs> the one, like, he's the one in possession of the ball, so um, you'd hope. Yeah. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Who knows? Can you stir call, st- stir the pot. I wonder if that's written. <laughs> next thing you know, VR that's written is out so, next season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys knew, but in Manchester, there's two cities. There two, are two teams. There's, there's two, two cities. Two there's two cities. There's two cities in Manchester United. If you would have heard earlier what we talked about, you would have got that. Um, the other Manchester club in Manchester City. is Manchester United. Yes. Yes. And they came away two one victors. Uh, versus West Ham, huge game uh, with the way that these both sides have been playing all season. Um, probably, I mean, behind uh, Chelsea and Tottenham, it's probably the second most um, amplified game or mm-hmm. second most talked about game of the of the uh, weekend here. Yep. Um, Ronaldo again, leading, off. starting off the starting off the game with the goal. Yeah, just. I'm I'm really looking forward to see if he wins the Golden Boot. I think he's gonna be disappointed if he doesn't, mm-hmm. um, unless he gets like 45 goals and Lukaku gets like 46. And Jesus, like it's like all right, like what else, we gonna what do? else could I do? Yeah, <laughs> um, but I honestly think he's gonna be really disappointed if he doesn't finish with the Golden Boot and actually takes Man U. You know, I, I don't think he's, he's expecting them to win. Maybe I mean, obviously you're, you're a competitor, you think your team has a chance to win. Um, but yeah, he's just obviously performing week in and week out, and it's great to see. Did we expect this? I mean, I know who we're talking about, but did we expect this? I mean, I mean, this this is crazy what he's doing. Yeah, but did we think he was gonna generate this much, like actual production, I, this early? Honestly, I am a little surprised that he has scored in every single game. Um, yeah, that we'll in itself is crazy. Yeah. Um, we'll see if this continues. Um, if we get like 10 games in and he's going for the record of, uh, amount of games he scored in a row and, uh, breaks Vardy's record, like, you know, I think <laughs> like, it's already going to stir up the argument about the, who's the goat right now. Um, but I, I wouldn't have guessed, honestly, you know, four games in a row. I thought he was going to do like well 
Um, I know we're still kind of early, but we'll see if he gets that like 30, 40 goal mark. You know, I think good. You're talking all competitions or just yeah. Premier League? All competitions. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, if he gets 40 goals in the Premier League, I was going yeah, to say. Then, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but no, all comps, I could see that. Now, I think I picked Harry Kane at the start of the pod to be the Golden Boot winner. Yeah. I, 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 I think, think if, he, if he was at City, probably, yeah. like I said, if he was at City, then probably. Um, just like the the chances from yeah the midfielders like providing him the ball at City, yeah. like yeah. it's just solid, like so much further. But like, Salah's doing what well, he's top right now. Salah's doing. I know he's good, but he's uh, he's crushing it right now. Oh yeah, top five goals. Not surprised. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so Ronaldo did tie this game up. Uh, ben Rama scored for West Ham. Deflected goal came from nothing. Yeah, uh, United had most control of the game up, up until that point. And then Ronaldo, uh, you know, he made a nice run, nice pass from Bruno Fernandes. Uh, I feel like these two are going to link up a lot this season. Yep. Not just because of, obviously, the Portuguese connection, but just because they're both class players. And um, I don't know. Like, if Ronaldo can make the runs like that he's making, it's almost like they do have a striker in the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he still, is he lining up as, number like, a number nine? nine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Straight obviously, up, with though. his playing style, he can kind of have free roam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to go anywhere he wants but he makes darting runs like a striker would yeah mm-hmm. plus he has the ability to play on the wing because which is which is what he's done all his career yeah so he's a really dynamic player in that sense um i wonder if united was to bring on a player let would be more of like a central attacking forward if that would help them or hurt them in the january transfer window yeah because that would allow ronaldo to stay on the wing more and contribute that way as well as feed a pass mm-hmm. to somebody looking in the middle for um for a header or you know, for a tapping goal across the net. Yeah, I'll um, see what they what they decide there. Tons of options, obviously. Yeah, but whatever they're doing now is working. Yeah, can't can't argue with that. Um, uh, Lingardino strikes again. Mm-hmm. This time in a, in a very, way different, <laughs> very positive sense. Yeah, way different sense. Uh, it comes on as a sub, I think, with about ten minutes left, 10, 15 minutes left, and uh, just scores a goal. <laughs> Screamer. Worthy of any match-winning goal. Yeah, top corner cuts uh, in. Yeah, cuts in from the left side, swings at far post, hits the RB button there, and curls it to the top corner. I did like the no selly. Yeah, respect, respect. Uh, spent 16 games at West Ham last season on loan from United. Potted nine goals in there for the Hammers. Mm-hmm. So when he sellied like that, just kind of putting his hands up in the air and yeah. you know giving to the crowd. Like yeah. when he when he came on they as a sub, him. they were cheering yeah. for him. Yeah, ovation. Right? They love him. Um, yeah. He was obviously a huge part of what the a huge part of what um, boosted them into the Europa League last season and almost pushed them into Champions League, which is crazy to say for a side like West Ham. Yep. As just a couple seasons ago, they were almost in relegation battle. So whatever they've done there, David Moyes and the boys, uh, whatever they've done to get them playing the style of play that they're playing and producing that they have, yep. uh, it's working out for them well. Kind of yep. unfortunate Mikel Antonio didn't play for this match. He uh, picked up a red card. Late last mm-hmm. week, yeah, uh, in a match against Southampton, I believe it was. Yeah, we're getting, so it's good to see him play. Man, he's sick. Yeah, like, I wanted if he was playing this game, it would have been a very different match. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have defenders tons of problems. Yeah, they had nobody. Yeah. I, I, I think they might have played like a false nine this game because I, I didn't even notice like a real, um, like last man kind of de- like attacking player or yeah. a player that was playing on the back line against United, and that's kind of what he does. Yeah, like, just a big body up front. Uh, I talked about him a few episodes ago as kind of like my breakout player and how he 
had the opportunity to play for England, but it chose to play for his uh, home nation of uh, Jamaica when it comes right. to international. So, yeah, good on him. And just a quality player, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's real sweet. Yeah, he'll always show up, especially in the big games, and score against big clubs. And just like, all right, this guy's just doing it again. Yeah. Giving defenders problems. Um, So, that goal from Lingard was in the 89th minute. <laughs> and then a lot happened <laughs> after that. By that point, I thought this game was in the bag. Uh, I didn't know until actually even Joe sent me a, a note about what <laughs> happened later on in the game. Because I turned the game off. I was like, yeah. oh, this is a game. It's done. Yeah. Right. And then... um. VAR gets involved again. VAR gets involved again. Yeah. This time I think we're all in agreement. Yep. PK? Most, yeah. I, I mostly agreement. Um, It's still just for me where you don't want defenders defending with their hands behind their back. Luke Shaw's hand was like pretty outstretched there. Mm-hmm. Um, Similar to what Ben Davies did yeah. uh, last week. Almost the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, Luke Shaw was lunging in pretty hard there. I mean, if I'm running and I go and lunge in, your hand has to be stretched or you're not going to lunge as far and you're going to fall over. Still can't really argue with that. I think it's just one of those situations where it kind of sucks. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, you could, I'm just thinking, like, you could be more conscious that you're in the box and, like, you know, tuck your hand a bit closer to your body. Exactly. There, he, he was just not even look like aware of where his hand was yeah and so, so you have to call it so mostly a pk for me but i, mean, when you I got... can i can understand why luke shaw was arguing with the ref like i don't think it was like one of those situations where it's like oh yeah like definitely a pk and i'm not gonna argue with the ref well another thing for me with with var is that it wasn't called on the field the referee yeah. didn't call it and the linesman didn't call it too, where it's like he, the linesman could not have had a better view right. of what happened there. I right? think they just, because the ball went out of play, they're like, okay, we'll give a corner and we'll give ourselves time to like review it, even though they could have given the PK yeah, to review it. Yeah, but you got 60,000 people calling for a penalty. Yeah. You have us at home looking at it, saying that's a penalty. Yeah. The referee's decision, the referee's job is to make that penalty call yeah. on the field, like first instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, it kind of sucks because then you have like, the presence of VAR in like your back pocket in case you screw up. Yeah, it's like, like just it's make your call. Good. Have some guts in the game, man. I I think these referees are just gutless. <laughs> I mean, because like they just don't. Tell us what you really think. I do, man. Because I okay. Here we go. I think with like watching so much sports in my life, mm-hmm. whether it be soccer, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, everything, referees are never held accountable for anything. Yeah, <laughs> they can make any call they want. They can make the wrong call. They can make calls that cost, you know, cost gains, cost championships, and they have no, like, nothing to show for it. Yeah. They have, they have to give no press conference after the game. They have to give no headlines, no excuses, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Have some balls, man. Yeah. That should be a penalty shot call. That should be, yeah. on the, I know it was a PK. It came out to be a PK. Call it on the field as you see it. Yeah. Because I think these guys are scared. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because they don't want to get the the calls calls wrong, right? Like, no, and I and I know VAR is there to check, which is good that that's there now. Yeah, but I think they're nervous to get the wrong call, yeah, or to make yeah. the wrong call. Uh, yeah, I I feel like they're it's it's more they're more afraid to make a big call like give a PK and then have it overturned and it not be a PK than not give it and wait for a check. Yeah. Because obviously that's kind of like the safer bet. Oh, yeah, brutal. I think that's why they did yeah. it. They would rather ha- not have a PK overturned. 
Yeah, because yeah. it looks a lot worse to give a PK and it's like, oh, it actually wasn't a PK. Like, sorry. Whereas, like, yeah. all right, ball went out, we can check type thing. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, I get it from their perspective, but no, I totally agree. Like, and it kind of brings up the whole really late offside flags that are coming. Oh, my you God. You have these plays going on. And it's so true. Like, a player can get hurt. And it's like... That's my biggest concern is players getting hurt. Yeah. Like, you have an offside call. This, like, you have a player seven yards offside. Mm-hmm. Totally clear. Linesman's great spot. And the play just goes on. And it goes on. And then, like, an mm-hmm. opportunity happens. And, like, they'll have a chance. They'll go out for, uh, for a goal kick. And then the linesman gets the play. It's like, mm-hmm. like yeah. why are you waiting so long? Yeah, I that drives that. me. Yeah. Oh, they let the play play out. It might be a goal. He was offside. Like you mm-hmm. knew he was offside, and like commentators even yeah. say it. Like, before before VAR, when the rest were making offside calls, I know there was some that was like off, but they were right like ninety nine point nine percent of the time every on their ball. offsides. Every ball <laughs> on like, like the fastest pace stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we and know that they know. We know that it's offside. <laughs> yeah, like we know, know you know. So just like make the call. And like the only voice of reason coming in my head now is saying how like how hard these referees do have it as a job. Oh, it's incredibly hard, right? Like we're we're expecting perfection. We would we demand perfection. Again, this is why VAR is here. But then when VAR screws it up still. <laughs> Crazy. It's like it why is it here? Yeah. Yeah. It's like why is it here? The that's, rules are so unclear that VAR gets it wrong. That's why I'm <laughs> saying, like, are we even better off with having VAR not there? Or like, I don't know, putting like, what if they put, like, a cap on, like, how many VAR checks they can do in a game or something like that? Or, like... Yeah, it's tough. Like, honestly. I mean, in, in, like, North American sports now, they have, like, coaches' challenges. Yeah. So, it's, like, instead of having a VAR check, have, like, a coaches' challenge instead or something like that. So, that mm-hmm. it's not every play that goes to VAR now. Because then you're taking away just, like, the rawness of the game. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, obviously, if it's, like, a cut and dry, yes, it's this is a no goal, this is a penalty, whatever, then, like... It shouldn't have to go to VAR because like, it is so cut and dry. Mm-hmm. But then there, like, if you do it four times in a game or something, let's say, which is like obviously really dramatic. And I don't think that's ever really happened. Yeah. But if you go to for, like every single play, then like why even have a referee on the field? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't I mean, just like self-referee the game? Yeah. And then just have a VAR check go on. Yeah, like, it's it, 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 I don't know. It takes away from the game, I think. Like obviously at our level of play, we've never had VAR obviously involved yeah. in how we've played. And it's probably worked for and against us many, many times. Yeah. I mean, I, I dove so many times in the box to get, to get penalties. And yeah. like, you know, oh, that's mm-hmm. a handball. I feel okay, handball. Yeah. And then like, whatever. But it at this level and with so much invested in yeah. in the game, and it's like you think that your team's going to come away with like a 1-1 draw against, against United in like a huge match. And it goes to VAR. Referee doesn't even call it in the field. Clearly penalty. The referee didn't even call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if VAR wasn't involved, there's no penalty in this game now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now the game finishes one or the game, you know, it did finish two one. But you know what I'm saying? Like the <laughs> yeah, opportunity for the game yeah, for the draw was yeah. whatever whenever be there. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably gonna be one of those things, it's gonna be a never ending debate. Um we'll see what happens. I mean, I think if if they can get to a point where they have to clear up the off, they have to clear up the handball rule, otherwise everyone's gonna lose it. Um if they can make the offside calls quicker mm-hmm. and like more real time. Um, I think that'll help a lot um, because then you don't have to go and review a play when it's offside, right? And that'll, that'll save a lot. And then, um, then it's really just left to, to the PK's calls, which I think are still going to be really big, but 
you know, they're going to be big whether you have VAR or not. Um, at least this gives us more of a chance for them to be right. But we'll see. Because then it, it, it is a little more, I guess you could say frustrating, where you have VAR and then PKs are giving and you still don't understand why it's given. Right. That's where it's questionable. I mean, if back then when you didn't have VAR and you had a PK call and it's like the ref like honestly didn't see that, but like it's only because ref didn't see that. We have an entire team in the back room looking at a play <laughs> and, <laughs> and it like, still goes away. That we're all seeing sense. the same thing. Like what are they yeah. doing? When everyone now, every, before we could say like we're looking at it in slow motion, the ref sees in real time. You can understand why it's tough. Yeah. Now when you have the entire world able to see frame by frame see, what they're seeing and they have to still make the call. And it's like, they're seeing the same slow motion still frame we are. I'm still and going, we're still confused. Going back to Alexander Armel, I just remember the pause and like the circle, like ro- like rotating around him. Like it's obviously a handball. Yeah, I'm so confused why yeah, it's not getting called. See a million pictures of that <laughs> yeah. online right now. That was what two seasons ago we think. I'm gonna like, yeah, I think it was two seasons ago. So like that's clearly two seasons ago. These issues were arising. Yeah, and they yeah. haven't been solved yet. I'm still. Like, look, like, what? <laughs> Joe's just pulling a picture here. Like, <laughs> like, oh, this, this is the picture. Like, this is the one. Like, it's obviously hitting his forearm. Yeah. It's so funny. Alexander Arnold, outstretched arm, no PK. And the ball was too, like, you can't even make Yeah, the argument. ball was, like, ball super was quick. The ball was very ball was crossed away. in from, like, 20 yards away. Came into him and, yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, I was going to say, with all that being said... <laughs> all that being said, we have the PK. <laughs> we have the PK. And clearly, More David, drama. clearly David Moyes wasn't watching the Euro final that took place Apparently earlier not. this summer. Yeah. Because he brings on, I don't know, 35-year-old Mark Noble. Yeah. Cold. Mm-hmm. Completely cold. He brings him on uh, off the bench, puts him in the PK role. To take the PK. And makes he misses. A sub. <laughs> Um, did you guys not learn anything from the Euros? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen it work. <sighs> Never seen it work. I've only seen it. It's it's not even like a good comparison, but I've seen it happen before in hockey. Like if you bring in a goalie or something, like bring a goalie in off the bench, like for a shootout. Yeah. yeah bring in a I've goalie makes sense. Cause they, cause they strategize, right? Yeah, they might know. It's like, more I mean, like, I've game, seen, yeah. I think, I think Chelsea might, well, Chelsea just did it with, with Kepa and, and Mendy. Um, I think it was FA Cup. Yeah, last uh, last season. Well, I know, I know Cru- they did Newcastle or who was Cru- Netherlands did it with Cruel. Yeah, that was sweet, and he saved like three PKs. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, in, if a goalie yeah. standpoint, it kind of makes sense, but it's like players tough. Uh, you can put a defender out there to go take a PK, and they could score. Like it's yeah. literally, obviously, PKs take skill. Yep. Clearly, some guys on this table have scored more PKs than others. Mm-hmm. But a cold player. <laughs> but I'm saying, coming off the bench <laughs> yeah. and putting someone in cold. Yeah, uh, I just I never understood that man. Like no, no. Oh boy, and I feel yeah. bad for you know centering out the guys from the Euro because like I don't know if it was it wasn't their call. Clearly, David Moyes and and Mark Noble like are close because like Noble has been the captain of West Ham mm, for right. years now. Even before no, even before um David Moyes was there. Yep. Maybe he was in his ear. Maybe this great idea came from some other source i have no idea 
but there was guys that were willing and able to take a PK in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Guys that have played 90 minutes yeah. in this in this grueling game. This is a game was back and forth up until yeah. that you know, 89th minute. Yeah. It could have been anyone's game. And then you're going to bring in somebody cold off the bench who hasn't played a second on the field yet. It runs yeah. run And there there takes a bad a shot too, man. Well, it was a bad PK. I mean, yeah. PKs are, there's enough pressure as it is. Right. One, you're cold. So you like, you have nothing. Like you have no idea of like the pace of the game, which actually matters. Oh, huge! It matters. Yeah. Um, actually, being in the game matters. You, when you're you go on. You're like, you have to score. I mean, if <laughs> yeah. you're a player oh, on yeah. the field, you're like, okay, I'm gonna take the bird. If you like, it's just different when you're coming on. It's like, no, That's a good you're point. on to take the PK. You have to score. That's such a good like, point. There's leeway a little bit more if you're on the field. You're like, I'm going to be the one to take this. And like you miss like, oh, I'm lucky, especially if it's a good shot. But if you come on to take a PK specifically and you don't score, it's it's bad. That's and that hilarious. added pressure probably yeah. gets you. Don't don't understand why. Yeah. Like you said, in the Euros, you had all these players come on cold and take PKs and they all missed. Oh, yeah. You, like if you're I, Lingard and you're Sancho and you come on in the Euro Cup final, like you have to score. Yeah, yeah. you have you have 10 yeah. guys out there. You know, there's a few that you could argue. I think you know they they want to take it. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand why. And maybe it was Noble's decision. We don't know. But even if you're the coach, like, I don't know why you would put a player in that position. Where no. if I was on the if field, I've never, coach, I'd be, I've never if seen if that I was the coach and the player wants to be like, no. no. Yeah, if I was on the no, field no. as a player, I'd be so pissed at that. Yeah. I guess I yeah. imagine like going through this like dog fight for 90 minutes and bring someone else on to take a BK for you that hasn't done anything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. but I've never seen, honestly, I've watched EPL for years and I've never seen that. The first time ever. I really saw it was probably the Euro Cup. Yeah. In the yeah. final. Yeah. That yeah. I can, that I can honestly remember. Yeah. I mean, clearly it might've happened. Like we just don't Before, know, but that was the but, first time I saw it. I mean, <laughs> to do that on the biggest stage, Southgate, that's a fireable offense in my mind. Yeah. Um, I don't think this, this is, this right here is not a fireable offense because the stakes aren't as high. No. Um, but it's just a goofy move. Yeah. I, know, I don't know why um, Moyes would do that. I mean, the, I don't know. I would love to be in the uh, in the press conference room after that match and ask that first question. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, what were you? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah. What, and, what was that? And it's like what Joe said. Like, even if a player comes up to you and like, oh, I want to take it. Like, you're a coach. You're like, you haven't played. Yeah. Like it does. It you does se- not. You've been help. sitting down for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So De Gea makes the save. Manu gets the win. Needless to say, and you know De Gea gets all the glory. Oh yeah, I yeah. can't. I'm still like I'm still shocked by it that. It was a nice save too. I mean, nice well the save. shot was it, not it wasn't, good. Like it wasn't in the corner, but the way he shot it, it was good for De Gea to like get his hand up in the right yeah. spot. That he was, put it, it kind of. Nice my daddy used to always say like in the goalie's wheelhouse. He put it like three feet off the ground. Yeah, and like just to like just to the side. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, yeah, like you said, it wasn't in the corner. It wasn't like along the ground or top cheese. It was like mm-hmm. mid, like belly level. Yeah. Like for diving, it's just like mm-hmm. you could have just fallen over, fallen over yeah. and made the save there. Yeah. He, got, he put some pace on it. Like you yeah. have to, but yeah. Man, it was just, that was a bad effort. Yeah. Um, Last match, Chelsea Spurs, 3 0 Chelsea. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Son was back in the game for this one. We were talking about it last time. We didn't know if he was going to return because he was battling an injury. Mm-hmm. But he came back, and his presence wasn't really that noticeable. Yeah. Um. I I missed the first you know little bit of this game, uh, but then we watched the highlights again, and it literally jumped from the first minute 
to the 30th minute <laughs> in yeah. the highlight pack. So clearly I didn't miss much. Um, Chelsea, though, I think we're in more control of the match. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, beginning of the, the podcast, sorry, back in episode one, that we thought Spurs might be our breakout team. Yeah. And when you... I know it was their first game was against Man City, right? They came out with a win? Yeah, they came out with a win against City. Yeah, that might have been... I don't want to say it was like early judgment on them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not early judgment on City because look, look what they've done since. Yeah. In that game. It wasn't like, you know, panic mode for either side. Right. But when you do see Tottenham go against teams with more depth and yeah. teams that have more like superstar players, let's say, like teams that players that excel. Yeah. I think they get really outclassed. Yeah. And outmatched. Mm-hmm. Um, this game in particular, it was a pretty big like midfield battle for the most part. And you could just see, you know, Jorginho and Havertz, mm-hmm. uh, Kovacic even, like just kind of, you know, outplaying yeah. the opposition. And another quiet game from Harry Kane. Yeah, just mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't really get into it. Didn't create a lot of chances, obviously, from what we saw. Um, you put all those things together, you're not going to win a game. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. going to come away with a positive result. Yeah, and, you know, obviously starting to question, you know, how, how well Spurs are going to do. Um, we'll see. I mean, if they keep struggling against the top teams, then, you know, they're going to struggle to make Champions League, obviously. And, you know, with with all the the drama around Kane, you know, and maybe getting the sense that he doesn't really want to be there maybe and he was looking for a big move it's like yeah you know we're still waiting for him to show up yeah Yeah. i mean it's tough like it's with anything um i don't know what his conversations were he can say like oh i want to be there but if if his if he's not a hundred percent there if he kind of has like an eye not on the club it's very hard to play to your full potential even if you want to it's very tough if you don't see yourself there yeah. Like long term, it's very tough. If you, if you kind of already gotten the sense you want to leave, yeah, you yeah, can. It's you tough. You don't even see yourself there next season. Maybe, maybe you want to go somewhere else. It's like, what are you going to do? You're not going to give a hundred percent. That's I, I can't see it. Yeah, really. That's like tough. That's your captain, though, man. Well, you know, Loris is the captain, but Kane is is captain yeah. material. Yeah, is your guy. So it's like, what does that show to your team, to your teammates? Yeah. You know, that's kind of a shitty attitude. Mm-hmm. Like you're, yeah. you're a professional, like you're the captain of England. Yeah. Like you, you have more, you should have more pride in yourself. Yeah. And like, you know, he was, it's not like he chose to go to Tottenham. Like he was at Tottenham for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been, I don't think he's part of the youth academy. I think he might've been someone else. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Totally sure I don't know. But you know, he's been there long enough that he's obviously like their mm-hmm. probably best player in their history. Yeah, arguably going to be one of the best strikers to ever play in England or play for England. Yeah, so I mean, you got to still, you know, put yourself out there and give it your all to win. And I know he's having a tough time. I know we talked about our last episode about not getting the service. Yeah, mm. which is obviously very frustrating. The striker I know from personal experiences with uh, with that because you just run around and you do give it your all, and like yeah. you just if you don't get the ball, you don't get the ball. Yeah, yeah. You, you you're just not in the game, but it's not entirely on yeah, you. Yeah, if you're, you're in the game. and like the difference that I've seen here is that so the way that Kane plays, obviously he comes back for the ball a lot to collect because he does try and use his size and his skill to dish the ball out to the wings or hold the play up a little bit. Yeah, 
And in a similar sense, Lukaku does the same thing. But Lukaku also makes more advancing runs, I think, than Kane does. Yeah. And he tries to put himself more in, like, a solo on net, like, situation. Yeah. Like, where he gets the ball played to him, like, through the box or something there, or through the 18, or tries to make a run to, to play on the ball. And this game in particular, in almost every game that I've watched since he's been there back at Chelsea, when he doesn't get played the ball, he gets so pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like I mean, it, it kind of looks bad from... I guess his attitude standpoint or something like the way it depends where you look at it. Yeah. I look at it as him being like demanding the ball. Yeah. He's a striker. He's a goal scorer. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's there to do. It's what he's getting paid to do. Yeah. He's making that run. You play in the ball. Mm-hmm. He's getting yeah. an open space. You play in the ball. And he's like throwing his hands up in the air a little bit. And he's putting his hands at his side and like, you know, yeah. like rubbing his face and kind of getting pissed. And like, he's trying like even tells players, he's like putting, pointing at his feet, like play me the ball here, playing the ball here. Yeah. He just wants it all the time, and I love that from him. Yeah. yeah. I don't see Kane doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just, like, kind of going around, and, you know, he's taking his chances when they come. But, you know, back to that, it's kind of similar to Ronaldo. I mean, Ronaldo might not show it as much, you know, especially with, you know, him having the career he's had. And now he's back at United, probably, like, mentoring a lot of a lot of players. Um, But, like, you can – you know, like, they just want the ball. And it's like they're gonna go it, and they're gonna like rip through defenders if they have to, and like get a goal, right? Um, where you you just don't get that that sense. At least I don't from Kane some sometimes, mm-hmm. um, especially now. Yeah, and like I said, it comes back to how bad does he want to be there? If he has one foot out the door, he's not really gonna care. Like, you know, I'm not gonna get upset. I'm not gonna show this grit. I'm not gonna get like angry about players because like I don't really. Oh, here. So and you could say though. and you could say all the right things but like it shows it shows and you're passionate about where you're at like yeah. Lukaku you can tell like he he wants to be at Chelsea and he wants to score for Chelsea um I mean you know we could be wrong he could really want to be at Tottenham I don't know what the conversations were behind like closed doors but you know it'll show up on the field if he does want to be there well he's there for almost three more months at least yeah, if he was to leave in January, which I don't see that big of a transfer happening for him. Yeah, um, like like a mid-season transfer that large is yeah. kind of rare, I think. Yeah. So he's there for at least three more months. Yeah. Plus, any time after that. So, if he's already doing this now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's just. I mean, I can't. I can't get behind that. I think I heard it before. You know, if a player wants to leave, if you're a club, you have to let them leave. Otherwise, you're just like they're unhappy. They're just gonna like diminish in value, and they're not gonna like, contribute to the club. And it's gonna be like a well, that's happening right now. Yeah, I know. You have I, as much as they love Kane, they want to keep him, and he's their golden boy. If he wants to leave, like you have to let him leave. You just have to, and you just have to like rebuild. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Tom can't get your break, man. Yeah, all the like all the quality players they've had in the past that they've let go or like. Can you imagine if they still had leave prematurely on? Yeah, on transfers and stuff. Bale, Modric, Walker, Kane. If you know, yeah. in his prime. Well, he's still in his prime, but when he was actually playing well, like really well. Um, can you imagine? They would be a top, <laughs> top club. They would be in. Well, but isn't Bale? Oh no, Bale was on loan. No, it's not loan. Yeah, I think it was loan to buy, and then they didn't pay it. I think Tom was pretty cheap. Like they don't spend much money. Yeah, they they have a good farm system. They have a good uh, youth well, academy, but they just don't spend money i mean it's kind of like how arsenal was yeah years ago they're yeah. just the the 
fourth, fifth place team that just run well. They they make a profit. They don't spend a lot of big money. They're just a well run club, but that doesn't always translate to trophies. But if they go down the same route as Arsenal, where they're like, oh, we want to make all these changes to win trophies, and now they're tanking, it's like you know you got to be careful if you're going to go that route. But it does start with you know letting these players leave and you know, getting money. But they did do that with Bale, I think. When they sold Bale, they bought those all those players, and they just didn't pan out. So you just need good, you need to find good, good players to replace them. Yeah, tons of factors. A lot easier to say than get done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyways, we'll show this game. Yeah, the three 0 for Chelsea. Pretty convincing at the end of the day. Yep. Um, they scored three, uh, very different goals, <laughs> say the least. Um, Thiago Silva at the header. Angola Conte getting his first goal in over two seasons. Yep. And Antonio Rudiger. Um, I mean, this is kind of, again, like showing Chelsea's depth. Yep. Like, Lukaku did have some quality chances. I mean, uh, Lloris is obviously world-class goalie, and uh, he made some pretty nice saves on on uh, Lukaku and even um, Alonso when he got forward. But, I mean, when you can have two of your center backs and Angola Conte scoring for you and still putting up positive results, yeah, I mean, you can't really ask for anything better than that. No. Definitely showing uh, their diversity all around the pitch. And good to see Conte scoring. You know, it's been a while. 2019 against Man City. Um, last goal he scored. But a little fist pump there. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just Conte. Chill. Conte. The most chill Sally ever. Yeah. And like I said, like I said here, uh, I mean, obviously it was like not the greatest goal, like it was a deflection. But if he scored like a sick banger, maybe the smile would have been a little bit bigger. That's possible, but, but yeah, it would have been chill. I think the fans would love it if Conte like scores a goal and he goes and runs to the fans and does an actual celebration, like a whole like, knee slide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even when they won Champions League, like he got his medals with the hand, they just like touch a trophy like he just so chill like so humble just does his job on the field goes to the office comes home he's like a surgeon in the operating room yeah just cool as a cucumber i've been here before i've done this before guys don't worry this is my job like yeah don't get too excited all right this is, this is what i do for a living yeah what what, uh, what balatelli said about not celebrating because like about the whole milk thing and like a milkman doesn't celebrate when he delivers milk cause that's his job and then Bali Tully took off his shirt and did like the hardest celebration in Why like, was the me? last decade. Yeah. I mean, that's what Conte does. Like, he's just there to do his job. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really celebrate. He's just like happy, he's just happy to be there. And it's like, if he gets a goal, it's like extra. Yeah. That's Great awesome. to see. Yeah. Um, Arsenal winners again against, uh, against Burnley. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving up. It's two in a row. Uh, Brighton, Brighton uh, getting a positive result against Leicester. Another uh, not expected mm-hmm. uh, match result. Yeah, they're sitting well right now. Yeah, Three, I know. Four right? wins, one loss. Know, we guys are talking about Brighton on the mm-hmm. show. Here we go. Only yeah. one point back from the top three: Chelsea, Liverpool, United, all square on thirteen points. Um, it was funny. The commentators were actually saying how it was like literally the eighty-eighth minute. And the game was still 2-0 for Chelsea. And the commentator said, if Chelsea snag one more goal, then they will equal the results that Liverpool has put out every single game this, this season as well. <laughs> so I think it was like like 1-0, 1-0 or something. Yeah. And then they tied. And then Liverpool won 3-0. And then Chelsea won 3-0. And then like Liverpool just won 3-0 again this weekend. 
So if Chelsea scored another goal, then they'll be like level on points, level on goals, level on results. Really then Rudiger scores. Yeah. <laughs> Make it on the Supernatural podcast. Oh, want to go into that one. Ooh. Ooh. Check that one out. Nicholas Flamel. Ooh. Um, did you know? <laughs> not to go off too far footy, but did you know Nicholas Flamel was like a real person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like a philosopher or something. Yeah, he made the... He, they said that he's supposed to be immortal and he made the philosopher stone. Like, it's a real story. That's like John Locke from Lost. Really? What, yeah, John Locke's an actual person too. Crazy. And what did he do? Uh, he's a philosophizer. Philosopher. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, did he end up on an island? No, no, no. <laughs> Coming to a monster that like shows you your biggest fear. Oh, no, he didn't do that. Okay. Talking about the... Um... Oh, never mind. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, yeah, we gotta get more Brighton talk on this on this pod. I mean, yeah, four wins, one loss, uh, only a plus three on goal differential. So clearly they're kind of, you know, sitting amongst giants when it comes to the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, yeah, and, and then the two Manchester clubs, uh, United and City, yeah, um, and even Everton's kind of holding their own too. Yeah, sitting there, in very six. competitive. I mean, they right got now. stomped this last game, but yeah, against uh, against Villa, but. Uh, no, they're holding their own there too with uh, with ten points, and then slowly creeping from behind. Arsenal six points, two wins in a row. They're trying to make that minus seven look a little, mm-hmm. little more inviting. Yeah, Leicester's having a rough run. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be a nice little shake at the top of the table. Yeah, um, clearly like the outlier last year was West Ham, I think, being so high as they were. Yeah. Um, like we're kind of accustomed now to seeing Leicester up there, and even Tottenham. Mm-hmm. you know around the top five top four but uh no it's always good to see some new blood up there man brighton yeah. everton getting maybe into champ into a europa league spot or even champions league if they keep it up uh brentford newly <laughs> promoted this season they're sitting there in top 10 mm-hmm. uh i think the biggest disappointments this season though have got to be wolves in 16th yeah um, i mean no new no that's tough yeah like two two seasons ago when they finally came back into the premier league they were on fire. Yeah. You know, with their newly appointed manager and, um, you know, the influx of Portuguese players. Yeah. And then even like last season towards the tail end of it, they were kind of starting to fall off a little bit. I think they finished maybe outside the top 10, if I believe. Yeah. Probably like 12, 13. I can't totally remember. Um, but for the quality that they have on their side, because they have a pretty good balance too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they, they've, uh, you know, underachieved this year a little bit, unperformed. Uh, a team like Crystal Palace, I always like to kind of see them play pretty well because I'm a big uh, Wilfred Zaha fan. Yeah. Um, we talked before about how he, you know, if his attitude or some things might have swung differently earlier on in his career, he may, might be seeing him play on one of the top sides. But to stay at Crystal Palace, whether he wants to or not, he still does give it his all. Yeah. Yeah, he always shows up every game, right? And He's obviously there to play for the club. And having Patrick Vieira appointed there and trying to turn that team around and give them a new identity and a new um a new culture in the team, it's yeah. Hasn't, you know, worked out for them completely. They did have the big win against Tottenham last uh, last weekend. But other than that, you know, two draws, two losses, one uh, one victory. Yeah, it's looking rough right now. And then Lowly Norwich at the bottom. Yeah, it's just five losses, minus twelve. It's looking Looking very tough right now. I mean, they need to get some momentum or it's just going to be a, a long road. Mm-hmm. We got 
Wow, we got some big games next weekend, boys. We do. We got some very big games. Chelsea City, you know, two teams we've talked about that uh, are going to finish top two. You know, who wins? I think mm-hmm. still going to be up for debate. Um, I think City have to win this game. Yeah, I do think it's mm-hmm. you know I think every game is obviously a must win, but this is going to be a big you yeah. know momentum uh, momentum shifter. Uh, Man City can win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if Chelsea comes away with the victory, that's going to pull six points ahead right away. Yeah, yeah that's, very tough. I mean, two wins uh, above probably your next biggest rival or competitor. Yeah, that's massive. Um, it is. when it comes to like even like the late uh, end game of the season. Yeah, um, but you you do have to know. I mean, City had a similar start. I mean, it was actually worse than it was now last season, mm-hmm. and then you know they're up and down whatnot December came and then City go on their massive yeah. win streak and win the title by a long shot, right? So I mean you never that, know what can happen. But like that year, Liverpool struggled last year. I was United, just gonna say yep. United was not they, the team there this year and Chelsea with Tuchel is like they could literally go on like who knows if they go yeah. beaten. But like they, they had solid. Yeah uh City last year had no running mate with them. Yeah, not like really. once that is true. once yeah. COVID was like established and COVID was like a, sh- a sure thing, and we're still going to play through yeah. with having COVID. Um, I think City was the only team that really like excelled yeah. after that. Yep. Um, obviously, like, like Joe just said, like Liverpool, tons of injury, injury bugs last mm-hmm. year. United was just inconsistent, and then Chelsea did a manager change midseason. Yeah. And it, like for the better. Yeah. Clearly, but by the time that they did make that change with uh, Lampard out and Tuchel in, and I was already kind of said and done. Yeah, with their uh, their efforts for the season, and City just took away and well, took it and uh, ran away with the title last year. But yeah, way more competitive this season so far. You love to see it. Yeah, um, that's the early game on Saturday, seven thirty. I'll definitely be up by that one. Yeah, <laughs> for that one. Uh, don't text me. Don't text anything right away. I won't be up that early. Oh, so there's two seven thirty games. Oh man, don't see that very often. Ooh, United and uh, Villa also at seven thirty on Saturday, the twenty fifth. That's uh, that's weird. Yeah. You see that. Um, and then another London, London Derby. Derby. This is the big one, though. Arsenal Tottenham. <laughs> like, this is, saying, like, is it a big game? Well, well I mean, versus. for these ones, yeah. It's like, you know, Arsenal, they got their wins here and there. Tottenham got their wins here and there. But they could lose the rest of the season. But if you beat Tottenham or you beat Arsenal, yeah, that's the, the Ar- season was a success. If Arsenal wins this game, that could be like the momentum they That could need. be a swinger. Yeah, that's what they need. So hopefully, and I forget who talked about it, um, when Everton was struggling and they played Liverpool, but Everton yeah. just showed like no grit. And I think it was, uh, I forget who it was, was like livid. It's like, you have to know what game, like when back in, when he was saying back in his day, it didn't matter where Everton was in the table. It didn't matter where Liverpool was in the table. When Everton played Liverpool, it was just like its own game on its own. It's the yeah, it was just a scrap, no matter how each of them was doing in the season. So hopefully these Arsenal uh, new players kind of bring that to this game. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, so that's your weekend schedule for next week. Uh, obviously, other there's other games going on. Tune into any game you want. Uh, four games at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and then three games on. Oh, sorry, no, two games on Sunday, and then the one Monday uh, late game is Crystal Palace and Brighton. Actually, that might be a good game too. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I might tune into that one as well. Um, boys, anything else? In the, anything else to add? No, no, that's everything. Exciting week ahead. Let's get this one going. Uh, Boys, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. 
Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at footy underscore fans. That's footy underscore P-H-A-N-S. Our podcast is also posted up on YouTube. You can find that also at footy fans. Um, everyone, we're trying to get our, our word out there, our name out there. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your brother, tell your dog. Footy fans, uh, give us a follow. Um, that's our weekend wrap for uh, for the EPL and for Champions League. We will be back next week recapping all of the week's action. Ciao, everybody. Take care, everybody. Ciao.